Hello, my name is Jonathan Swift, the Content Director of InfoPro Digital's Insurance Division, and welcome to this, the latest podcast as part of the Future Focus series that Insurance Post is doing in conjunction with Verisk, looking at what different parts of the insurance sector might look like in 2030. Now today, we are focusing on property insurance, and more specifically, the roadmap we might take over the next decade to get to a world where IoT sensors are ubiquitous in both people's homes and commercial premises. A world where weather remains a significant factor in underwriting property risks and managing claims, although insurers have become much better at responding to events, not least because of more sophisticated peril models using granular data. And finally, one where drones, gig workers, and a focus on green issues and energy conservation are all factors in play when it comes to property insurance. Now, I'm delighted to say, joining me from Risk, we have Benjamin Blaine, the Head of Property Claims, and Jess Westerman, the Head of Strategic Projects. Welcome, both of you. Good afternoon. Hi. So, Jess, if I come to you first of all, can I just ask, how do you see the growth of IoT developing over the next decade as a means of property risk management? Yeah, um, a really interesting question. Um, from my point of view, I think um, you know, there's obviously lots of new devices that have kind of grown up in this area. Um, one of the key things in this space really is for insurers to, to be able to share data with each other, typically, particularly on the underwriting side of things. Uh, making use of that data needs to needs that you need to kind of effectively pull it together, uh, gather it together and use it to kind of join it to your claims experience to be able to uh, you know effectively get some kind of use out of it so um, as we know insurers are not great at sharing data um, but because of the need to share data of, of this sort uh, in future we're expecting that more and more uh, pools of data will grow in this area and therefore it will become more usable in the underwriting and kind of analytics space um, on the in terms of household insurance specifically um, we've already seen escape of water devices uh, become quite prevalent already. Um, you know, at the moment, they're, they're very much kind of aimed at providing automated alerts, but there's also a pot uh, potential for kind of automated risk mitigation, where potentially not only can they detect an escape of water, but also they can shut off the water supply as well. And the increasing number of kind of data sets emerging around household insurance. Um, both kind of that can affect risk management and can provide opportunities there. Um, but also there's going to be some interesting new data sets emerging, potentially only available via consumer consent, but things that, again, insurers can really get their teeth stuck into and do some really interesting stuff. Um, if you look on the commercial line side, I think um, IoT is already making in, inroads into building management and is helping with kind of things, not just within the insurance sphere, but beyond that, helping people to manage their energy bills, you know, manage the way that the, the you know, um, maintenance of the building is taking place. Uh, and I think in conjunction with insurance, that will mean that commercial buildings are become more and more teched up with devices. Uh, and that could be uh, a mixture of kind of smart burglar alarms, smart fire alarms, 
where the insurer can be sure that effectively some risk management is in place, not just that they've ticked the box to say that they've got one, but even down to things like being able to detect whether there are people in the building which kind of advises on things like occupancy. Uh, and also even things that uh, maybe you've got devices that will sit on the network and provide a level of cyber protection, that kind of stuff. So lots of really exciting things happening uh, and really expect those to be um, quite prevalent in commercial lines in the uh, in the near future. Benjamin. Yes, I, I think you'll see a, a much bigger uptake of IoT and insurance over the next 10 years. And I can see IoT devices becoming much more affordable and, and common in a property. Um, Escape of water devices, as, as Jess mentioned there, in particular, I, I see them becoming more of a, a must-have than a, a nice-to-have in a property. And taking this one further, I can see us becoming more proactive with it to the point where the insurer can automatically register a claim when a leak is detected, notify the policyholder, and even provide them with initial advice. I think this will lead to higher recovery rates for the insurers because that advice is provided much earlier in the claim, which will stop the customer from disposing of faulty appliances and in turn enable the insurer to, to recover the loss from the manufacturer. I mean, in general, the, the more IoT devices a, a home has, the less risk for an insurer and, and the more competitive they can be with policy prices. So, yes, I, I do see this evolving in a big way over the next 10 years. Can I ask you, Benjamin, by the same token, how do you see insurers automating the acquisition data from images to make better decisions when it comes to claims or underwriting? Yeah, um, yeah, very, very good question. So, well, I mean, if you'd have said 10 years ago that we could read images of a claim and automatically settle with little human intervention, most people would have laughed you out of the room. But we're doing that very thing in the motor space now with our IVI products. Um, I mean, the big difference in property, though, is, is there's so many variables, such as the type of material and just the the construction of the building in general. This means the machines need a lot more learning. I mean, that being said, I do feel we are close. I mean, we're, we're doing this now for contents and you can see this model being applied for specific commodities such as carpet. So really, it's just a matter of time. I do, I do feel that the key to the success of this is, um, is data. And I see particularly on the on the property side, historic claims data underpinning this model and and providing the insurer with with much more confidence in this approach. However, there'll always be a need um, and a place for, for on-site inspections and surveys. Being an ex-building surveyor myself, I can see um, you know, the, the technology is never going to completely replace what an experienced surveyor gives you. But for certain types of non-complex claims, insurers will be able to reduce the cost significantly and, and be confident in that approach. Jess? Yeah, um, I largely support what, uh, what Ben was saying there. I, I think um, particularly on the underwriting side, um, the... Image analysis, I think, is, is generally kind of 
there's a lot of AIs applied to that at the moment. Um, it is fairly specialist work, and I know some insurers are looking at it, but it's quite likely, I think, you know, as we go through the next decade, that uh, we'll get more and more specialists who are getting better and better at that, uh, and I'd include us in that in that uh, remit. Um, just able to effectively take images and extract data from them. Now, there are many sources of emerging data that are coming out where AI is being used to extract that data and make it useful, whereas you know, beforehand it would, it would take an awful lot of people and time to be able to try and kind of analyse those images and get some data out. Now, one example that's happening quite a lot at the moment and that we're, we're involved in is taking um, some aerial images that might be taken by a satellite or a, or a drone or a, um, a kind of a, a plane flying over with a with a camera um, and effectively taking that data um, and turning that automatically using AI into things like floor area heights, looking at roof construction, um, things like that. So it's, it's expected that lots of building data can be extracted that way. Um, uh, you know, that's only going to increase really in terms of other, other types of data extraction from images. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's going to be an interesting space to, to, to keep an eye on, I think. But uh, I think that just from my point of view, um, it, it's likely to be of special, an area of specialism for, for third parties, I think, rather than necessarily um, insurance companies becoming expert in it themselves. So can I ask, and I'll, I'll come to you on this first, Benjamin. Obviously, weather is still a significant driver of claims. How do you insure, see insurers evolving in terms of their response to major weather events such as flood and storm? Yeah, I feel as an industry, we could be using weather data much more than we are. And I, I do see this evolving over the next 10 years, particularly when it comes to planning and allocating resource. Um, with the technology we have today, you can see you can see how um, an automatic notification could be sent to customers and, and possibly even local authorities so they can activate um, flood defence systems much sooner. Cu customers can then prepare with, with sandbags and, and even move contents items upstairs long before the, the event even occurs. Um, in some instances where, where the policyholder is due to go away or even on holiday at the time, you know, this will provide them with that notice they need to help mitigate any loss. And you can really see weather data playing its part in automation as well um, by validating claims. And, and this in turn will, will help the insurer better deal with surge. Um, yeah, I mean, we find our customers really benefit from our remote video technology during uh, severe weather events. and. I see this becoming even more prevalent in years to come. Ha having that sort of eyes on site, if you like, at the earliest opportunity will will provide real-time mitigation, which which will reduce the claim the, the claims cost significantly. Um, yeah, I mean it. It also enables that that human touch, even if it's for a, a live face-to-face -face video call. That that empathy can be expressed so much better than just just a phone call. Cheers. Yeah, I, again, I definitely agree with that. And on the underwriting side, I think uh, that kind of remote video technology is also being looked at, at um, for, for kind of gathering information at point of quote as well. So that that's really good. Um, kind of going back to the the kind of the weather idea, I think um, yeah, that there's lots of really accurate and granular weather data already available. 
uh, and that trend is increasing as as you know data sources um, are becoming more ubiquitous in this area. Um, the uh, some of the things I think will will uh, will be a feature of the future in terms of new news, new uses of this. So um, insurers always already make good use of really accurate address level flood data. Um, and, you know, that's very, very commonly used to try and work out whether or not to see to flood re or not. Um, it is quite likely that all household perils will follow a similar route. And obviously the granular weather data feeds into that, too. Um, the, the other potential use of weather events is to try and see if we can detect whether a, you know, a company or a business is making a kind of an opportunistic policy um, policy buy in the sense that maybe a flood or an event has already happened. Um, and effectively, you know, notifying the insurer that effectively a, a new policy is being created in an area that's recently been flooded or is likely to be recently uh, likely to be flooded very soon might be a good way of kind of heading off some opportunistic fraud. Uh, and then probably lastly, um, there, there are a number of cap models that sit in this area, particularly around storm and windstorm. And obviously, with um, you know changes in the weather, kind of making these kind of events more frequent, it is likely that insurers are going to be using uh, cap models not just for kind of reinsurance purposes, but also building it into their um, you know their their kind of new business um, rating as well. So can I ask you, uh, Jez, do, do you see the likes of drones in the air and gig workers on the ground becoming more in, a more integrated part of the event responses for property insurers? I, th I think definitely drones and aerial imagery will, will always become um, uh, will, will be an important move, I think, in, in the industry for property. Um, it, it, you know, I, th I think it builds on the back of this remote video technology idea that we've got. Um, it's it's likely that um, you know effectively that you know you're you're, you're always going to need uh, a person to deliver the drone to site and potentially um, you know pilot the drone over an area. Uh, but I think the idea is ideally what you need to do is make sure that you've got um, somebody who kind of knows what they're doing to drive the drone and capture the the, the data in in the right way. Uh, so that's really pretty key. Um, and then the other element really, I suppose, is the element of using AI to take that data that's collected by the drone. And, that, and again, as we were discussing earlier, converting that into data that can be acted upon automatically. Um, and ability to do that is great in terms of reducing your operating cost uh, and helping with consistency and accurately in, in underwriting as well. So, uh, so yeah, but uh, there's, there's lots more applications, I think, in claims. Yeah, well, with that in mind, Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, I certainly see drone inspections becoming more common practice in, in property claims. Uh, this will reduce the, the need for scaffolding, which reduces the costs for insurers and the inconvenience for customers, um, particularly in, in commercial buildings such as schools and churches. Um, I mean, Often scaffolding is, is put up for the initial inspection weeks before the repairs are actually carried out. And that's if the insurer ends up carrying out the, the repairs at all. Um, so, yeah, I think you'll see um, you'll see an in increase in the accuracy for claims where um, scaffold scaffolding may not have even been used during the inspection. There's also that safety element. If you think the biggest cause of deaths in construction is is falling from heights and our rules and, and guidelines around this will only increase over time and as this increases so will the need for drones 
that being said, I, I do think um, I do think the key to the success of this, and, and as Jez um, pointed out earlier, is it, having that right expertise, such as a, a loss adjuster or a surveyor, instructing the drone operator to in, ensure the correct information is captured, because um, I mean wrong information during the inspection is is misleading and can be extremely costly to the insurer. Can I ask you then, Jez, um, how do you see insurers getting more granular in terms of the peril models as they get access to so much more data, that word again, data? Yeah, no, sure. Uh, it's all about data, apparently. Um, insurers already benefit greatly from granular flood data, uh, as we alluded to earlier, and, and other peril models are, are following following suit. Um, I think the key thing really is, is um, if if you really want to remain competitive on an increasingly competitive type of business, um, it, it is really important to to try and get the data down as granular as possible. It means effectively insurers can identify the best risks, they can price accordingly to keep them, uh, whilst also potentially passing the the less good risks on to people that uh, maybe don't have the same level of insight. So there's a bit of a kind of an arms race that goes on with this kind of stuff. An increase, there's an increasing amount of data available on uh, individual buildings, individual people, individual companies that are being insured. And all of those things can be used to, to take those peril models, which maybe historically have kind of maybe been postcode level or something similar, and really take them down to a lower level of granularity and therefore allowing much greater insight uh, and much more accurate rating in that area. Um, obvious, obvious problem uh, will will potentially happen. Um, you know, if if this does come to pass, in the sense that with this additional accuracy going down to a granular level, there are likely to be pools um, of people who find insurance difficult or very expensive, and obviously the 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 insurance industry needs to try and look at how you actually deal with that. Um, you know, where effectively you 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 you've got the benefit of fairer rating and more accurate rating but actually it means that people who are deemed higher risk may struggle to get insurance and i don't know where that will lead to whether it will end up with a flood restyle solution with the the government and the industry coming together as a whole to try and cover risks that are difficult to insure um ultimately i think um the, the more granular peril data that you can get um, the easier it is for you to start looking at risk mitigation initiatives and actually starting to help prevent these things starting to happen at the first place benjamin yeah i do see insurers doing more with a specific um cause of loss uh, particularly when it comes to escape of water Analyzing this type of data has, has already enabled us to, to implement um, preventative measures uh, such as you know IoT devices that we've already discussed. Uh, some insurers are even um, banning the use of push fit pipework for repairs. Over time, and as more granular data becomes available, insurers may even split out perils and offer offer cover on more of a granular level. For example, um, escape of water from a from faulty pipe work may only be covered if endorsements such as leak detection devices are installed or or even um, water softeners for, for areas that suffer from from bad lime scale such as the southeast. So yeah I mean I agree with with everything that um, Jez has said and uh, yeah I, I do think this uh, this will become much more prevalent in, in years to come. So um, finally Jez 
how do you expect the drive towards a greener future and energy conservation to play a role in the type of property risks insurers will be insuring over the next 10 years? Yeah, sure. Um, I think there's going to be so lots of interesting new things happening with with houses, uh, particularly around the kind of the you know the green greener future, and you know um, particularly with you know a lot of stuff happening in the media around you know uh, really focusing on on uh, kind of green agenda and that kind of stuff. Um, things like solar panels and biogas converters and new ways of building houses and other green utilities. It, you know, it's quite likely that they're going to have some unique risks in the household uh, and they're things that insurers are going to have to kind of pick up and try to assess uh, how they might affect a risk. Uh, and you can see some specialisms emerging in this area as well. Uh, and that will be true for both household and commercial buildings as well. Um, and obviously, as we've kind of discussed previously, particularly in kind of residential houses, they are likely to be much more tech and sensor rich, you know, and some of that will be driven by the kind of green agenda. Um, and we're expecting some interesting pools of data around there where, uh, you know, effectively, again, probably will have to be explicitly consented by by consumers who've got this kind of technology. But again, sharing and pooling that data is a really great asset for an insurer to try and see what they can do with it and, and uh, yeah, use it to try and assess risk. Benjamin? Yeah, I think insurers will, will pay more attention to greener buildings in the future and, and even factor this into their policies and premiums. If, if you reduce energy consumption within a home or, or a business, the, the risk of loss is, is also reduced as there's, the, there's less wear and tear on things like um, boilers and, and pipe work. So, I mean, the more green a building is, the less risk for an insurer and so absolutely yeah i'd see this becoming more important in the future okay well unfortunately that's all we have time for i'd like to say a big thank you to benjamin and jeff thank you very much for your time thank you that's great thanks so much we also like to remind you this is part of the future focus series brought to you by insurance posts and the risk if you want to read the article associated with this property burst or check out the previous two instalments looking at personal injury claims and motor insurance, please do so at Insurance Post in print, online and in the App Store. But until the next podcast focusing on climate change, it's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Cheerio.